by chance you happened to be in the Windy City between May 28th and June 2nd of this year, you would have had very good reason to be terrified. There are those who believe that life here began out there. We can rebuild him. Hercules Atlas. These are their stories. Autopilot with Scott Johnson and Tom Merritt. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to Autopilot. This is Autopilot uh, Season 3, Episode 12, the last of Season 3. 12 episodes, folks. We so are sad. There. I know, it is so sad. sad. We're going to miss this uh, for the next little while, but don't we'll worry. We'll be back, though. Don't you worry. Definitely be back. I'm Scott. I'll just hide in here and film it, Johnson. <laughs> And that's Tom's supernatural Columbo merit. One more thing. I stole that from you. I like that line. That it's definitely what Kolchak feels like. Totally. Kolchak, ladies and gentlemen. Kolchak, colon, the Night Stalker. Although you don't spell colon, it's just literally a colon. Kolchak, the Night Stalker. This episode is called The Ripper. And you might have an idea what that might refer to. Uh, directed by Alan Barron. Written by Rudolf Borschert. 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 Uh, and it's uh, this original Ripper episode. It was uh, first aired on ABC September 13th, 1974. I had no idea what this was until we picked it for autopilot. I can tell you right now ahead of the game, I'm super thrilled that we did. Let's get straight into the introductions. Debbie wanted to be successful. She should have settled for being alive. Oh, I see. Now, before I, I give the little summary here, I do want to say there are going to be people out there who say, Tom, Scott, you've got it all wrong. And everybody makes this mistake. There were Kolchak movies that were the pilots. We'll, we'll explain that. We'll explain why we decided to pick The Ripper as autopilot. We've got justifications. But for those who don't know, Chicago newspaper reporter Carl Kolchak, played by Darren McGavin, investigates mysterious crimes with unlikely causes, particularly those that law enforcement authorities just won't follow up. <laughs> He's often involved the supernatural or even the science fiction, including fantastic creatures, Kind of X-Files, kind of Dresden Files, some kind of files. Yes, all of those, but the original. Yeah, and, uh, you know, I liked it a whole hell of a lot. And there's so much more to say about it, but I always like to dig deep behind the scenes before we do that. Good morning, Miss Emily. Go play with your pimples. Go play with Whoa. your pimples. Oh, can you say? Yeah, I guess you can say that. <clears throat> By the way, those who maybe are listening to this going, hey, I know that voice both uh, both times. The voice is super familiar. Darren McGavin is a dude from the uh, Christmas story. He's the dad. Yep. Fragile. He's that guy. And that's, you know, I think he's a bit typecast in that role. Like everyone knows him from that. But he's a great actor, been around forever, done a million things. And anytime he's on screen, I smile a little bit inside. I think he's fantastic. Died, uh, left us in 2006 at the age of 83. Uh, too bad. Too soon. Um, let's get right into some of this stuff here. A little controversy about what actually constitutes the pilot for this thing. ABC produced the, the uh, made-for-TV movies The Night Stalker in 72 and The Night Strangler in 73. After those, uh, they decided to make a TV series out of it, making the movies de facto pilots. And that's why we settled on this. <clears throat> also, it's a lot easier to watch The Ripper than to get a hold of those two movies. Yeah. Uh, but the two movies were made-for-TV movies. Right. And then after the success of those, they decided, huh, let's make a TV show. What confuses the issue is that they were made for TV. If these had been movies in the theater and then they had brought it to television, I don't think anyone would, would 
dispute that the Ripper is the pilot of the television series. Right? I, I agree. But the, but the fact that the movies were on TV, people are like, well, those are de facto pilots then. It does fudge the issue. But to me, those are movies. They were made to be movies. And this episode is the first of the television series. Yeah. And for all intents and purposes, this is how you will be able to watch it today. That is the most likely way, like you mentioned, that you're going to see it. And Netflix is where we got it. That's where you can see it. I think it's a perfectly fine starting point. Uh, if you haven't seen those films, although I kind of want to see those films now. Yeah, Actually, this is maybe the one show that we've done, maybe of all the episodes we've ever done, where I was so into this old, old 1974 thing where I was four years old when this came out. Yeah, I don't remember this at all. I don't at all. Um, that I want to go back and kind of do the whole thing. There's a lot of hints of, like, I, I have to think that people like Chris Carter and maybe even Abrams and others uh, were inspired by this thing. There's stuff in here that, that, I feel like we're not we're getting TV shows today that 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 draw from some of the vibe I got out of this, and that was exciting. It reminded me a little bit of um, what was that sci-fi show that just recently ended? Felicia Day was in it a bunch. Eureka, uh, Eureka. There's a little Eureka in here to me, just a little bit, just kind of a that kind of the fun side of it. Um, there's also a little X Files on the darker side of it. It's just cool. It's way cool. So anyway. Uh, I don't want to gloat too much because I actually really did have a good time with this, and we'll talk more about that later. In late 73, uh, Matheson and William F. Nolan, heir to the Christopher Nolan fortune. Oh, wait, I got it backwards. Uh, completed the script for an intended third television movie called The Night Killers, the pilot, uh, or excuse me, the plot of which involved aliens replacing government officials with androids. Though never purchased, the series would address all three aspects of its plot uh, individually in separate episodes. That makes me excited. Uh, McGavin agreed to return as Kolchak and also served as the series executive producer. Now, here's where things get a little ugly and might explain why things went a little raw for the series in the, on the whole. Uh, the ABC did not obtain Jeff Rice's permission, and he sued the studio. Uh, they uh, they settled and got credit as series creator. Yeah, Jeff Rice had written a book that the the first movie was based on and so that's why they were like he was like, well, wait a minute now, you're just making stuff without me. You can't do that. Whenever litigation gets heavy with TV shows like this. I always feel like they only ever get a season or two and that's it. Just feel like it just weighs things down no matter what. I don't know if that's why this thing had the fate it did, but it's kind of interesting. The first four episodes aired under the name, the night stalker took a month off and then came back as Kolchak, the night stalker. And the uh, first episode of the series that we watched, the Ripper bears a lot of similarities to the second movie, the night strangler. They, they sort of re redid it. In a way, the series was canceled after 20 episodes, although they had ordered a full season. Th- so three scripts were in various stages of development. So if you're really into it, Scott, mm-hmm. at the end of watching the episodes, you can go find those scripts and read what unmade episodes would have been like. I'm into that. That's great. Uh, they right. did make two television movies, uh, The Demon and The Mummy. Uh, the I'm sorry, that was one movie, Demon and The Mummy, and Crackle of Death. Uh, those uh, were crackle cobbled. of death. Yeah. I love the crackle of death in them. <laughs> it smells like death. Uh, those were kind of cobbled together in 1976. Each was based on a previously screened episode from the series. So they did a lot of repackaging in this whole franchise's history. Mm. McGavin provided a voiceover for both, which allowed the narrative to maintain some continuity, but he didn't actually appear in the movies. Well, let me ask you a quick question about that, the narration. How do you feel about narration in in shows like this, especially detective shows? It was kind of a tropey thing to do in the past. And today you almost hear it done in a kind of a nostalgic, knowing kind of winking kind of way when Mm -hmm. it's done. I'm a big fan of it. I like that inner monologue film noir. I walked into the bar that night. eh? Like, I like that kind of stuff. How do you, where do you land on it? You think it's needed for the narrative? 
Well, no, it's definitely not necessary. And in fact, it's 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 criticism is that it's lazy. Like, show me what happened. Don't just tell me. But because of the nature of a noir detective-ish thing, which this is, even though it's a reporter, not a private detective, I liked it. I liked it because it gave me that aspect. It gave me that feel of watching a Raymond Chandler movie or a Dashiell Hammett movie. A book made into a movie is what I'm trying to say. Yeah. And so I, I thought it was appropriate. And I don't think they overused it. I, I think they used it very much for atmosphere and not because they were lame at storytelling, which they were not. Yeah. And McGavin's just good at it. So we'll give, yeah, we'll give him those uh, props. All right. Let's jump into some weird facts. May 26, Laramie Street, 3.55 a.m., Chicago. Miss Laura Moresco, age 24, a masseuse. She was fond of stuffed animals and had been given one as a gift by an exceptionally satisfied customer. All right. <laughs> he is just like sinking his teeth into some cheese when he does that. Masseuse. Chicago. <laughs> I love that. Um, boy, they sure have noisy trains in Chicago, don't they? Woo. They do. That's I can swear to that. I can, I can confirm that. that as well. When I was there in, oh, geez, early 90s or late 80s it was, uh, I never heard anything quite like it. It was weird not seeing the Sears Tower when they showed the skyline, though. Yeah, that is weird. That, that stuck out to me. I was like, whoa, when, whoa, when was that bill? When, when did that get finished? Late 70s. Oh, so it I wasn't think. too, too much after that. Uh, yeah, I don't. it yeah. wasn't in the skyline. I know that. It wasn't even being built in the skyline. It was just the Hancock building, which is crazy. Maybe they green screened it. Oh, wait, they weren't doing that then. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, the main character originated as an unpublished a novel. We talked about this before. The Kolchak Papers, it was called, written by Jeff Rice, um, was published in 73 as a movie tie-in with the picture of Darren McGavin on the cover. The second TV movie was turned into a novel by Jeff Rice based on the movie script by Richard Matheson. So a little bit of pay Peter to write Paul or something. Going really on interesting there. that a book is unpublished, gets made into a te- television movie, and then gets published. Yeah, odd. Yeah. I guess you do what you got to do. The Night Stalker movie, uh, first air January 11th, 1972. I was all of two years old. And uh, garnered the highest ratings of any television movie at that time. This is a 33.2 rating, a 54% uh, share, right? That's wow. crazy. 54 share. That's or 54 share. Insane. I would say percent. That's not right. Uh, Matheson received a 1973 Edgar Award for the Mystery Writers of America for uh, from them for the best TV feature or miniseries teleplay. Robert Colbert or Colbert? Which way are you going to go with that? Colbert. Colbert. All right. Colbert? Sure. I don't know. Scored the music for the original uh, television movies. Gil Melee. Melee. <laughs> He's given an axe. Uh, <laughs> wrote the music for the TV series, uh, beginning with the theme that begins with Kolchak whistling in the opening credits. Which I really How am. iconic is that? Even though I'd never seen it before, I yep. immediately was like, that's a thing. That is totally a thing. And you were, you were right about this comparison to Columbo. It's Columbo with supernatural villains. That's kind of what it boils down to. And I'm, I don't mean that in a pejorative way. I think that's a good and thing. And Kolchak predates Columbo. Yep. So it's really Columbo is Kolchak without supernatural villains. Should have called himself Kolchak Lumbo, if you know what mm. I'm saying. Yep. Uh, uh, Melee or Melee was hired uh, mm. and the theme was written in 20 minutes just before the opening credits were shot. Good Lord. Uh, the series provided the, it's like uh, when uh, Graining showed up at that meeting at Fox and literally doodled the Simpsons out while he was in the waiting room because he didn't want to give away life in hell. I love that yeah. story. Uh, the series provides or provided rather the uh, first professional writing credit for Bob Gale. Uh, you might know him from Back to the Future writing fame. He also uh, so in this case, he wrote the script for the episode called Chopper. Uh, David Chase, also creator of The Sopranos, worked on the series as a story editor. It was wow. his first regular crew position in Hollywood. So a lot of people came out of this. Yeah. 
Uh, some of you may say, well, wait a minute. I thought this was a recent thing because it was resurrected in 2005 or an attempt was made on a second television series with a new cast and new characters. Uh, they've also spun that out into novels and comic books that you can find out there. In fact, the 2003 comic book by Moonstone Comics uh, has been pretty popular. Mm. I wouldn't mind reading that. Is that still in print? Yeah, you can still find They continue to publish both a bi-monthly serial magazine and a series of prose novels and graphic novels featuring Kolchak and a bunch of the characters. I would not mind reading that. That's interesting to me. Now, you were mentioning, like, you wouldn't be surprised if Chris Carter weren't inspired by this. Chris Carter himself says about 30% of his inspiration for the X-Files can be attributed to the Night's Doctor. Uh, he named a character, Richard Matheson, after the screenwriter of the pilot films, the Night Stalker. Oh, Richard no way. He, and he also, they hired McGavin to be in a few episodes of the X-Files. Yeah, he was played Arthur Dales, the retired FBI agent described as the father of the X-Files. Carter actually wanted him to play Kolchak. Oh, wow. He's like, let's get you, let's get Kolchak back and he, him be the father of the X-Files. And I guess McGavin was like, yeah, I don't really want to bring that character back, <laughs> but I'll be, I'll be an X-Files. So he was. That's really cool. I had no idea. It's interesting. Chris Carter could boil it down to a percentage. You know, like it's about 30% of my inspiration. Like, well, yeah. The other 10, there's 10 in there that goes to, you know, they, that's weird. 5% was a cheese sandwich. <laughs> <laughs> and 20% was a lady I met in the Philippines. All right. Named Bob. Bob. Oh, don't ever hang out with Bob. She's the worst. Uh, all right. Let's get into what actually happened in the episode itself. It's been the fictional subject of novels, plays, films, even an opera. Now, here are the true facts. Yeah. So it was a 70s movie or show, but I felt like I was watching a 40s movie Yeah, set in the 70s, if that makes any sense, tonally speaking. <clears throat> well, you think about it. All the characters in this movie or in this movie. I keep calling it a movie, too. I don't know. Yeah, me too. Because uh, it has that movie feel to it. Sure. All the characters are older. Mm. Uh, when, when, you know, when we do these, I usually look up to see, like, well, what else have they done that we might have covered? All the all the actors in this did things in the '60s and the '50s. Right. Some of them even in the '40s. Yep. Uh, like the the woman with the telescope, she was like a, a big actor in the '50s and '40s. Yeah. Um, so I think that's why it feels that way. Is that this is made by the previous television generation in a sense? It's not the the Gary Olson. It's not it's not the 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 Mike Post uh, era. This is the old. This is the end of the old era mm -hmm. of television. I kind of feel like. Yeah, I totally agree with that. And it's nice. It was a nice shift for me because we've had so much of the other that I'd kind of forgotten that you know there were old shows that kind of had this. So for whatever reason, the combination of tone, look, pacing, style of acting, that stuff's all really working for me. And creating overall an experience I didn't expect. It didn't feel old to me. didn't feel aged. Um, I think a big part of it, I, I would have to admit, would be McGavin is kind of ageless. I like him just, I, I can watch Billy Madison and appreciate it more because he's in it. Yeah, McGavin's pretty great. He's just great. Side. He's just awesome in everything he's in. I, I saw a terrible movie again for Film Sack. It was, uh, oh, geez, uh, Joe Piscopo and the other guy, I can't remember their name. Anyway, they were cops who had to deal with a supernatural problem like an opening of a portal to hell. And I can't remember the name of it. Dead heat. That was it. Dead heat. It's oh, terrible. Yes. It's a piece of crap. But McGavin plays this kind of crazy uh, businessman gone wild with lust for money and science. And, and it's really a very two-dimensional kind of very dumb character. But he is so good, good at the thing he's being that I can't help but just love it. So it's, he just has that way about him. 
He's uh, lovable. He's again. We talked last week about reporter or a couple weeks ago about reporters being total, you know, jerks back in the day. Nobody, you know, reporters are just treated terribly. Well, in this movie, they somehow managed to remind us that no one likes a reporter, right? Like the police station can't handle him, can't stand him down there at the jail. But he's still somehow lovable, and and you care about him, and you want him to succeed, and you're kind of laughing at him, and you're impressed with his 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 willingness to do crazy things to get to get stuff done and mcgavin just owns all that he's just really really good at it ken uh, lynch as the captain yeah, uh, by the way guy's great the if you look at him and you're like gosh i know that yes he has played every irish cop <laughs> in every movie prior to 1972 that you have ever seen yep uh he was in north by northwest he was in anatomy of a murder the plain clothesman uh he was even in freaking winds of war as a rear admiral at that point, but he was in Galactica 1980 Whoa, what? near the end of his life. Oh, Galactica 19. He was, he's actually, uh, in Battlestar Galactica, the, the 1979 TV series for an episode too. When did he die? What year did he die? Uh, let me see. Uh, he 80 is something. still, Oh, uh, 1990. 90, 13, okay. Oh, that's further than I expected. All right. Uh, he <laughs> yeah. is just, I find him to be one of those riveting to look at character actors and he I, was in Bonanza. He yeah. was in Gunsmoke. But yeah, he's great. He's totally great. By the way, we have a local channel, HD channel, comes over the air here. I get it on Aereo, but it's I forget what it's called. I think everyone kind of gets them if you want to buy it locally. It's like Me TV or something. Uh-huh. Uh huh. They're showing Bonanza every day. I got them all back into Bonanza now. <laughs> really? I don't know why. I hated <laughs> Bonanza growing up. I thought it was terrible, but I yeah, some, I always liked it. Something liked about it. it. There's something about Bonanza that there. There's a show I could use a remake of, and perhaps a upcoming autopilot. We ought to cover that one, the old one, because it's. Well, uh, let me open up the old spreadsheet here. Get a little Lauren Green back in our life after our BSG coverage. We could do Bonanza and Ponderosa all at the same time, and Guns of Navarone or no, um, uh, Gunsmoke. Gun, uh, Gunsmoke's good too, but what's the other one with the something's guns? Someone's guns. I don't remember. Or Mavericks. So Mavericks of World War. Yeah, I. that's a World War One movie, right? Anyway, I get my stuff mixed up. Um, yeah, what else to say? The voiceover works. You do for a me. whole podcast just following the career of Ken Lynch. Anyway, right? I agree with you, um, Scott. I don't want you to not be my friend anymore, but I didn't like this as much as you did. Oh, really? Yeah, and I and when you describe why you like it, I'm like, I should like this. Yeah. I love 40s stuff. I love noir, yeah. and and McGavin's great. You're absolutely right. It has great character act. Ruth McDevitt was the woman I was trying to think of who yeah. played that lady with the telescope. Oh, right. But somehow, when I was watching this, and I don't know, maybe it was the time of day or the the mood I was in or whatever, I just couldn't get swept up in it. And I I think maybe it was some of the research I did for the episode with Chris Carter and, and lots of other people saying, oh, yeah, absolutely. This was an influence on my career. I wanted more out of it. I wasn't I didn't dislike it. Don't get me wrong. I I, I enjoyed it, mm. but I kind of wanted to enjoy it more. And I don't know why. Well, it probably um, it's interesting because you think uh, so. This thing had a couple of movies ahead of itself. You'd think that they would have been, you know how we can always say, oh, well, it's a pilot. So things really yeah, picked up right. later. Like Star Trek really didn't get good in TNG till season three. So there's always like this, this breaking in period where things get better. But this case, you'd, you'd think, well, coming into it, they've had some stuff under their belt. They've done a couple of TV movies. So they kind of should have this stuff figured out. Uh, so I could see how maybe that, you know, normally that would be a problem. But in this case, I don't think they have that excuse. I will say that I think the last mm, third was lame. Uh, the ghostly episode of yeah, this old house didn't like where that. he's like going to the lumber yard to get some yeah, electrical wire sneaking and, around just I don't, none of that did anything for me there's no real payoff there 
Yeah, that that's the part where I really started to be like, okay, yeah. where are we, a bit of a where we going with this? And, and part of it may suffer from the fact that it is such a huge influence that I feel like, oh, I've seen all this done before, even though this was the one that did it first. You right. know what I mean? Right. Because those guys see this as pioneering. Yeah. We, we, we're seeing it after the fact, but all of that being said, there's, there's a, there's a layer of good here that I'm, that I, I think this is going to be one of the first ones that we watch where I'm going to go back. I said this about, um, Babylon five, but I'm going to, oh. I think I'm going to go watch the whole thing just to see, see what's what it's only 20 episodes. It's not like you got to That's true. It's not like a lifetime commitment. Right. So <laughs> I hope not. Not like Babylon five. No, not like that, that at all. Um, but yeah, I, that's interesting point of view. I found it better than, than you did probably just because. I had really low expectations. I thought, well, this I, that must be it then. Yeah. It must be that I, I suffered by my research. Yeah. Way to go. Research always gets you in the butt in the end. Knowledge will screw you in the end. Always. So let's screw them one more time with rap party. Here you go. He saw the body. Well, what did you do, Rob? Well, I went to where she was murdered. That guy was a weirdo. That nerd guy. Isn't he weird? It was a weird character. I wasn't sure what they were trying to do with him. Nah, I'm not sure. I, I don't. I think they were trying to do things that they weren't allowed to do with him. Frankly, <laughs> probably. I don't know what they were doing with him. But anyway, it's rap party time. It's a little uh, fun, little nugget at the end of the show. And usually, this has something to do with uh, some odd thing that one of the actors does or something. And I got a little creative with this one. You know, I thought I could yeah. play. Oh, I could play the fragile clip from sure, Christmas Story. Sure. Or I could do some other silly thing from something else. But I thought the way to handle this would be to say, let's look at a Darren McGavin role from a movie that I adored as a kid. It was, I loved this movie so much. And I went and found the trailer for a Disney film, live action film called Hot Lead and Cold Feet, which featured Don Knotts. Uh, oh my gosh. This is like the Apple Dumpling Gang. Totally. Except era, right? Big time. Yes. Yeah. And it has Jim Dale in three roles. Uh, Jim Dale, most notable as the Harry Potter book narrator for the audiobook versions of the Harry Potter books, which is kind of weird, and also the narrator of Pushing Daisies, uh, that Jim Dale, back when he was acting. And he is fantastic in it. Don Knotts is fantastic in it. The whole cast is great. And uh, Darren McGavin plays the mayor in this town. And uh, I loved it. I just absolutely loved it. And I, I would watch it now if it was in front of me because I just think the world of some of these early Disney real, uh, live-action movies uh, from the seventies for whatever reason, they were kind of my song when I was growing up. So I'm going to play, a, uh, just a short little trailer, 30 second trailer for hot lead and cold feet as it originally aired, I believe in a TV spot. So here you go, right here. May the best man win. May the best man win. Walt Disney Productions. Hot lead and cold feet. Lit and cold feet with Don Knotts, Jim Dale, Karen Valentine. Funniest western ever shot. Plus a delightful Disney featurette, The Madcap Adventures of Mr. Toad, both rated G. It's super summer comedy at a theater near you. It's back when Disney started doing featurettes. Mr. Toad. Yeah, Mr. Toad, man. Was that Hypnotoad in his early days? <laughs> <laughs> a madcap feature. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, man, I've been watching a lot of Futurama again with the kids. I love that show so much. Um, but anyway, there you go. Hot Lead and Cold Feet. That is a, I think that might actually be streaming. That is totally worth your time if you uh, want to have some nostalgia. And I absolutely fun. loved Apple Dumpling Gang. Yeah. It's 1975. This is 1978. That's the same era. So good. I don't know about you. They showed us Apple Dumpling Gang in school. What? I think it was some Disney program where they would like, the. I think it was probably later, like 76 or 77, but they would send these films out to schools to let them 
you know, ha- have like special fun time for kids. Well, I remember seeing one where Donald Duck played pool. So it was animated and it was a physics class. And the, and the, and it was all about how he could hit the the eight ball and it would bounce like these you, like how to angle your shot so that momentum would carry it from these all these flat surfaces and what angles though those would shoot off on and then how to calculate that. I remember seeing a bunch of that, like a lot of animated Disney stuff in in school for some reason. Um, and it was old. Hey, you, can, you can watch Hot Lead and Cold Feet on Amazon Instant Video. Nice. Hey, I, guess who was in Apple Dumpling Gang? Uh, hold on, I'm gonna guess. Bill Bixby. Oh, Bill Bixby was no way. Was he the yeah. dad? It was Russell Donovan. He was the dad. Yeah. Oh, yeah. No, that's all kicking. That's clicking with me now. In fact, I'll bet I saw that before I saw the Hulk at the time. Harry Morgan was in it, too. Doon, 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 doon. Colonel Potter. Hey, Harry, Harry Morgan is one of the great, finest actors of our time, and he famously said the following clip, if I can just find it real quick. Oh, darn it. I don't have it in front of me. You know what? It's worth finding, so I'm just going to find it real quick. But Harry Morgan. Uh, you know what? Here it is. Let me play this right now. Sorry, I had to do this. Okay, here it is. Incoming. Right here. Yes, Radar. Here it is. That's what she said. Vented it before anybody else. (laughs) Except I think he's literally saying, (laughs) like, Hot Lips said that. Exactly. I think you're right. That's what she said. That's hilarious. I love it. Anyway, there you go. That's it. And ladies and gentlemen, that is season three of Autopilot. Um, Boo. Boo. But also, yay, because it was a good one. And, yeah, it was. Uh, we'll do... only boo for the ending, not, right? Not boo for the. We hope you guys enjoyed it. Uh, we've gotten so much great feedback, and we really appreciate all of that. We'll keep you informed on what happens between now and season four. We have a long list of possibles, yes. so we have to do another season. Yeah, it's coming, so don't you Columbo, worry, your little heads. Ponderosa. Oh my gosh, Hercules. Oh my gosh, come on, Hercules, dude. Wait, uh, can we do? Uh, I got to throw one in there. What was it? I was thinking about it the other day. Ah, we. But there's a few standards we got to get in there, like. Dukes of Hazard's got to get in there. Oh, adding it now. Yeah, put that in Dukes, there. Um, and there's probably many two more. Two Z's, right? Yeah, right? Yeah. Two hazards, or two Z's and hazards. <laughs> I don't know. You know what we should do? If we do a Kickstarter again, for mm. our stretch goal, yeah. we should have after autopilot and do the spinoff series like after MASH and Joey, like, <laughs> uh, like a mini season, like a six-episode Maybe we'll Post. get lucky. We'll be the Frasier of 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 that instead of all those other terrible ones. Right, you we just could mentioned. do Frasier. Sure, you know, as a as a as like, well, some of them succeed and some of them don't. Yeah, I would love to get our hands on Enos. I would love to get our hands on uh, like Flow. Remember Flow? <laughs> oh my gosh! Okay, I'm writing all these down. Flow, the offshoot from Alice. Uh, yep. And we haven't done a good comedy in a while. So yeah, in fact, I don't think we've done any like straight up laugh comedies, have we? I don't think we have. Yeah, have no. And speaking what? of mash, put mash on there. Don't forget that. It's one. A, yeah, I okay. got it in there. We did Puchinski. Yeah, we did. Oh, that's right. That was but that was a comedy to some people. Yeah, <laughs> it <laughs> some, was to somebody was somewhere. Funny. Peter Boyle and, got a kick out of it, albeit unintentionally. Yeah, uh, but anyway, we're looking forward to that. We'll keep you all abreast of what's a tab happening. Named Poop. I, <laughs> I don't know why there is a tab. I never noticed poop. this before. Well, you know the the great poop uh, <laughs> pilot. It was a big hit in the eighties. Remember that one. Uh, you oh MSD3K is a comedy. But yeah, right, yeah, we haven't done like a sitcom. sitcom. Yeah, like like three camera, you know, straight up sitcom. We haven't yeah, done right. anything, so it might be fun right. to explore. Maybe New Heart or I don't know somebody. We'll figure it out. Um, that show's great and still holds up. Let's uh, tell people where they can go. You can go straight to <laughs> go straight to hell. <laughs> Careful. Autopilotshow.com. You can email us autopilotshow.com at gmail. Or, I'm sorry, autopilotshow at gmail.com. You can send us your pilot recommendations there. We take all of that stuff into account. 
So please use that frequently. Follow us on Twitter. I'm at uh, Scott Johnson. Tom is at Ace Detect. And the show is Autopilot Show. It's going to do it for us. Until next season, for me and for Tom and for all the autopilot autopiloters out there within the sound of my voice, we'll see you next season. Chicago. <laughs> <laughs> Wrapped in plastic.